If you are ready to change the way people experience the transition to parenthood, you've come to the right place. On this podcast, we interview postpartum professionals, academics and researchers, as well as parents with unique perspectives on postpartum. Whether you've been working with new families for decades or are brand new to postpartum care, we'd love you to join us. I'm your host, Julia Jones. Welcome to Newborn Mothers Podcast and today we have a repeat guest. I love having people back again and um, catching up with them and this particular person has been on a very long journey since last time they were on the podcast. So welcoming Rafferty who was back on the podcast in episode 14 which is a long time ago at with her then name Rafferty um now sorry then name Phoebe now named Rafferty but it is the same person yes and hello. Rafferty is here really to talk about their own um gender identity journey and using gender inclusive language and cancel culture and lots of the kind of really important topics that are buzzing on the internet Rafferty do you want to introduce yourself Hello, I am Rafferty, rabble rouser, um, genderqueer, rad human, just trying to figure it out in this wild world. Um, I, episode 14, spoke about community, still deeply, deeply passionate about community and community care. Um, and since I was last on the podcast, my marriage dissolved, I came out as queer, then went through there into realising that I'm genderqueer and have had a wee mental breakdown in the process, but really coming through the other side and coming into my own. And we're here today to talk about gender inclusive language and all the fuckery that is surrounding that at the moment. <laughs> So we'll get to your current views later because I think that's why I really wanted to have you on because I'm really interested in your kind of experience and um, and opinions and and also just want to note that obviously you're not speaking for everyone that you know this this is a very di diverse community with very diverse opinions and this is just what Rafferty thinks. <laughs> Correct. This is what I think. I am white. I live in Melbourne. All of these things inform my views on the world. I you know have a lot you of privilege in mind <laughs> yeah and like I want you guys to change your minds and I want you guys to disagree with me and I want you guys to form your own ideas and beliefs that like align with who you are like that is yeah. I think the most integral part of this is like stay with what is true for you absolutely and and always working from a place of respect and curiosity and trying to understand each other so let's go back to when you did have your three babies because I, I remember hearing you say that you found that a very feminine experience, which is interesting now that you identify as non-binary. So how so do you... That is really here? interesting. So I'm going to just... So there are... I use they, them pronouns, and then there are a select group of women, sisters, who I don't give a shit what pronouns they use for me. If they want to say she, her, that is so fine. And that is because I know that they see me as a woman with all of the nuance and gender fuckery attached to that. And whilst I do identify as genderqueer, I still feel very attached for myself personally um, to birth, motherhood, postpartum, 
as a very, for me personally, feminine experience. It deeply connected me to my womb and sisterhood and community care and those parts of me remain part of my sacred feminine and there is more to me that is much more complex than that. And when I was going through my pregnancies and my births and my postpartums, um, I had yet to come out to myself as queer, yet to come out, had yet to even like really even known much about gender diversity at that time. And just like I didn't have all the pieces that were yet to fall into place for me to like expand that view of myself. So yeah, it was a really feminine, innately feminine experience for me. They, they remain parts of me that are deeply feminine. Yes, and I think it's really important that we always keep that in mind. I've talked to some other people in other languages, and from memory, Hungarian is one of them, where the words masculine and feminine are not actually gendered. So they have these words for those kinds of concepts um, that aren't fixed to your gender. So a woman can feel masculine at certain times and a man can feel feminine. And so, you know, no matter how you identify, everyone can have... And, like, that remains really true for me, even as I, you know, I sit in sacred circle with women and do women's circles and all of those things. And I think in, like, sacred feminine, sacred masculine spaces, if that's your jam, there is definitely some awareness that we all carry or hold duality within us. Mm -hmm. and um you know we all have masculine parts and feminine parts and like my my genderqueer parts so that I'm can be very aggressive and very dominating and like very I like structure and control and rigidity and like you know that is not all of it but you know we all have these parts that depending on who you are and how you see and view masculinity and femininity as like as black and white if that's how you're looking at it it is within all of us these you know different parts absolutely and everyone experiences different things we have someone in a collective class right now one of our students who identifies as non-binary as well but their experience of childbirth was not at all feminine so you know it really is different for everyone can you just one thing i've been getting a lot of questions about too is just um language and terminology can you maybe just explain what non-binary Yes. Yeah, so, okay. So I need to go back to the binary to explain that. So the binary is like, when you think about how computers are coded, it's coded in zeros and ones. And it is like black and white men, women, you are either one or the other. Whilst the non-binary part is where you don't feel like you sit in either of those boxes and some people feel like they might be in a fixed place somewhere along the spectrum, whilst other people feel like they flow more fluidly between either. Some people feel like they are not on the spectrum at all and they exist entirely outside of any ideas of gender. And there is also such a thing as like binary trends where people do really feel like one or the other it is just not the the sex that they were assigned at birth if that makes sense 
So it's like all that grey area between the black and white of male and female. Yeah, I, I love it. Thank you because I think I think a lot of people are feeling a bit overwhelmed by all this stuff at the moment and well-meaning people who perhaps just don't have friends who they can talk to about this kind of thing or don't have a lot of experience. And, and like you've said that yourself, like these were concepts that you didn't even know about when you were younger. So... Um, so tell us then how that changed. How did you come to realise that you were not only queer but also non-binary, end um, your marriage? Um, find yeah, so <laughs> I started to come out as my marriage was sort of ending and then I was queer and started just moving in more queer circles and meeting more queer folks can I just pause you there too because some people might not really feel comfortable with the word queer and what that means can you uh, so for me so for me queer is like more than just sexuality it's like identity it's like I just do not feel like I fit the boxes of what is conventional what is traditional so for me queer is like I I'm attracted to anyone if I like them. And, you know, we can get into terms like pansexual or bi or those things. But for me, like, queer is political, queer is identity, queer is sexuality, queer is gender, queer is, like, how I move through the world. I'm an oddball, and I know not all queers identify as oddballs, but, like, that is what it means for me. It's like I run with the neon sheep. I run with the anarchists, I run with the witches, I stand with the weirdos and like the, does that make sense? Yeah, I love it. You know, I was just noticing your surname, Hallows. Is that your like real name from birth? No, because okay. it's a very witchy name. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So, you know, when I kind of first came across this stuff, it was actually, I, it's also important to note that a lot of this movement is quite young. Um, so a lot of the, this stuff is still really up for discussion. We're still kind of figuring it out. But I remember I, I had a, an African-American woman on the blog a long time ago and I noticed in the middle of the podcast, sorry, not the blog, on the podcast, I noticed in the middle that I asked her a question about something like I said something about African-American women and she responded by talking about women of colour and I said, oh, I'm sorry, do you prefer that term? And she said, no, I actually use all of them. I'll switch between black and woman and colour and African-American because I know that someone here listening will prefer one word over the other, so I always switch it up. So that's kind of what's guided me mm. in once I started wanting to be more gender inclusive. It was like, well, just use a little bit here and a little bit there and someone will see themselves somewhere. And I think that is also the best way to practice. Like if you are unfamiliar with the language, just stop practicing and like let it be a bit weird and clunky and awkward and like you might not get it right every time or you might not get it right with this particular audience or those things but like it's okay to get it wrong and be trying and like this is this is a really interesting thing and especially around like cancel culture where in these sort of like identity politics, there is this kind of narrative where we are told intent doesn't matter, only impact matters. And if this has a negative impact, you cause harm and that is bad. And I reject that. 
I don't think that that is helpful or useful when we are trying to create more space for people to exist. And I think it is much more important to be trying and to be trying with curiosity and an open heart and compassion and like, you know, effort to do well. But like, it is okay to try and make a mistake and it still matter that you tried and that you tried to in be inclusive because you're not going to get it right every time. You are going to get make mistakes. You are going to offend people. You are going to exclude people just because there is no language that can hold us all in our entirety. Yeah, so let's, um, let's talk more about cancel culture. Um, in your own words, when you were baby gay, you did cancel someone and... Uh You've moved on from that. So what, why have you changed? And why uh, did that happen? How do, so I was dating somebody who had very, I now see as very toxic, queer, dogmatic, ideological beliefs. So, and they had kind of like stepped in as like the person that had taught me how to be like a good queer. And... I was surrounded by other queer birth workers and other queer folks and queer allies. And like, I, yeah, just to get clear, I kind of use queer as a catch-all for the LGBTIQIA umbrella personally, just cause that's what flows off my tongue much more easily than all the acronyms. Um, so, yeah, I was sort of surrounded by these people doing things this particular way and I was trying to be a good queer and I was trying to be accepted within my community and then that relationship ended and it was like a weight had come off my shoulders and I, was, and I just realised that I still wanted to be able to be friends with cis women because most of my community is made up by cis women and... Um, and then, yeah, I just started meeting different people and having different conversations. And I realized that I did not like this kind of cycle of abuse that happens on the internet where we are just abusing each other in like the name of righteousness. And I don't think it is a useful way to communicate. I don't think it's a useful way to be an ally. I don't think it's very good for our nervous systems. I don't think it's very good for community building. And, yeah, just slowly over time, my, my, my ideas shifted and I want to be somebody that leads with compassion and I want to be somebody who can think with nuance and I want to be able to like do critical thinking in the face of the mob. Are you loving this podcast? Check out our books at newbornmothers.com. Nourishing Newborn Mothers is a recipe book designed to nourish your mind, body and soul after childbirth. And my second book, Newborn Mothers, was a bestseller. I know, I can't believe it either. It's about baby brain, village building and how to find happiness in 21st century parenting. You can get the first chapter free of both books at newbornmothers.com slash books. Yeah, it is a bit of a mob. That's a really good word to, to describe. And I definitely think it is a mob mentality on in quotes both sides 
Yes, it is. It's a, it's almost like a pick your side. Like everyone yeah. is in battle lines. Where do you stand? It's it's forcing us to be divided. Like you're either with us or against us. And like I say this in every single thing that I write, where it's like, here, shall we examine our shared enemy, the patriarchy? <laughs> like we actually have more in common than we do that is different. And that is that, like, in varying degrees and for varying reasons, we're all oppressed by the patriarchy and capitalism and all of those things. And we would actually be much more powerful and be able to gain and create, gain more ground and create much more meaningful change if we were able to find some ways to unite. Yes, and, and of course we don't have to agree on everything. We can have respectful debates, we can have different opinions, we can be curious about each other's perspectives, but ultimately we want to direct the anger and the hatred in the right direction, not in at each other. In the right direction. And, like, I, I do feel afraid to be speaking to this because of this cancel culture stuff where it's like I am not actively condemning or publicly shaming or abusing, like, you know, um, trans, um, like the TERFs, like trans exclusionary radical feminists, which is probably a word that many of you might be seeing in, in the public at the moment around these gender inclusive conversations. And I'm not publicly saying you're fucked, get fucked, get out whilst I don't agree with it and I don't think it is helpful and I don't understand, I don't personally think screaming at them and telling them that they're terrible is useful. And if other people want to do that, I don't shame them either. I think it is a valid, I think anger is valid in, in these, especially in times such as these, but I don't yeah. personally find it useful. No, and, and as well, we, we have to be really sensitive to someone's intentions, and that doesn't mean that their intentions mean everything, but there are clearly some TERFs online who are deliberately trying to dead name people. They are deliberately trying to stir the pot. Like, Absolutely. there's no goodness in that intention. Absolutely. A lot of people who just don't have a lot of experience in this area, and they're really scared that if they even ask a question they're going to be mobbed by this pile on you know of, of totally so, you know there's got to be some space for discussion as well i agree yeah so I, I love hearing all about this um what else did i want to ask you about so then i guess what this ultimately comes down to is the biggest question that we're getting at newborn mothers and generally i'm hearing people kind of panicking a little bit about online is how do we use inclusive language you know because there's all these right-wing headlines saying the breast word breastfeeding is now banned which is not true that's not what the policy said oh, it's not true i so firstly read the whole article that is number one read the whole thing and don't just respond to the clickbait articles because yeah. we know that especially news outlets such as the Daily Mail are not here to create conversations. They're here to just stir up shit and get the clicks. Oh, and it works. It's worked so well. <laughs> totally. 
And in some ways it's cool because now this conversation is happening much more loudly and much more publicly and it is a pity that it is coming at the cost of people's identities and people's senses of self. Um, and so how can we use inclusive language? Is respond to people and listen to how they want to be referred to. So echoing people's own personal language back at them. And I will always promote both and language, breastfeeding and chest feeding, birthing women and people, birthing dads, birth, you know, there is for every women-centred word, there is probably a equally opposite and powerful, you know, masculine term and the gender neutral. So you could do mothers, fathers and parents. Body feeding, you know, body feeding is one, and this is the thing, right? I don't like gender neutral language, which is maybe controversial for <laughs> some people because I think it erases gender and that isn't me supporting this like, oh, rah, rah, erasure of women, trans people are fucked thing. That is not what is going on here at all. I think that gender neutral language can actually erase the experiences of gender diverse people too. So always return to the both end. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really important to keep in mind. Yeah, that, that, you also one more thing I just want you to also say again is you've talked a little bit in the past about people who are kind of new to this whether they like have to use both and language absolutely everywhere on their website can you speak about oh that? oh my gosh totally so I think the most powerful work we do is when we are being authentic true to ourselves true to our own personal experiences and if you don't identify as a member of the gender diverse community, you probably don't need to be speaking about it. You can let gender diverse folks tell their own stories and have their own outrage without you jumping onto that ship. So if you are running a birth work business, which I'm sure many of you listening are, and you want to work with women and you want to work with, you know, people who identify as cis women who are breastfeeding, have wombs, deeply connected to their periods and all of those things, like carry on. If that is your zone of genius and that is where your passions lie, nobody, I don't see how it is useful to anybody for you to be reaching out beyond that when you are denying the people that you could best be serving your full attention. Yes, and perhaps even attracting clients who you are not going to be very totally. so this is at serving. Yes, where it's like... You can't just throw in the word chest feeding and then suddenly work with a transparent and actually go, oh, shit, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Exactly. So if you... Yeah, okay, let me find the, let me find the right words for this. If you are using gender diverse language, you probably are going to need to have the skills and the knowledge to be working with gender diverse people. 
so if you're just virtue signaling, which is when you're sort of like saying, I'm an ally, I'm an ally, but you don't actually have the skills to be working with these people, you could actually end up doing more harm than good. And I think there is a lot of magic in knowing your limits. And this is something that I want to speak, that I was planning on mentioning, where it's like, if you want to be a good ally, that might be learning who are the queer birth workers in your area, who is, work, who is offering chest feeding support, who might be able to, who might have resources on chest feeding support, if that is not yes. your skills. Because it's not just about saying chest feeding, it's about understanding hormones and understanding surgical interventions and, totally. you know, there's a whole lot of, you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Exactly. And then, like, having the skills to work with, you know, people's dysphoria and, you know, all of those things that really do require a lot of understanding and nuance. And if that's not you, that doesn't make you bad or a turf or, or anything. It just means that you live in a community with mostly cis women and, like, that's cool and fine too. There's no shame in not being able to offer these services to gender diverse people. Yes, but what is not cool is to, to for example, de deliberately not use someone's pronouns or deliberately dead name someone. I That's that never cool. Awful. I think that is absolutely awful. And I would definitely be encouraging, like, what is going on for you that you are so triggered by this particular issue? Like, there is something deeper going on and, like, I hope you work through that. Yeah, you deal with your yeah, I do. <laughs> like, it is not kind. It's just not kind. No, and it's a strange thing because, like, you know, you don't have to like it. People don't have to like it. If someone comes up and says their name's Jill, it doesn't matter if you think that's a dumb name. You just call them Jill, you know. You're not going to say, no, I'm calling you John. <laughs> totally. Like, it is, it, 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 and it, like, it defies reason like it, it is completely irrational you a mother for example before you'd had a child you might be like hang on i'm not not a mother yet like we we titles grow with us people change names i know many cis women who have changed names who pe i've changed my name and people just adopted it and to them to go back to the old one for like if you're doing it out of malice that is not okay if it, if you make a mistake and you apologize and you move on that's okay yes yeah so that's really the difference isn't it it's if you just if you're making an effort you're being respectful you're being curious yeah yeah and i want to touch on that actually because there is also this whole thing that I see from the queer community where it's like, if you get it wrong, don't apologize profusely because then you're centering yourself and that is bad. But what I want to say here is like, I think this like profusive apologeticness is very reasonable right now because people are scared of being canceled because of all this, because of all these rules about how to do it right. And I don't find that useful. Mm. Like, if you do want to apologise to me, like, I understand why. 
yes, you understand why someone might be afraid that they've made yeah, a Yeah, and that makes me so sad. Like yeah. I have been having like really beautiful connected conversations with people and then they've like accidentally used gendered language or misgendered me and have then been like so apologetic. I'm like we were just having lovely connected conversation and now you feel bad? Why? Mm. And it's okay. It's okay. I understand. And that might not be true for everybody. But if you make mistakes, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think it's really useful for he- people to, um, to hear. Do you have anything else? I want to chat about your, your little workshop you're doing in a minute. But is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Is there anything I've not covered? I mean, it's a huge topic, but... <laughs> Yeah, you are free to speak to your own experiences using the language that you best identify with. When you are speaking to collective experiences, I think it is useful to use both and language, unless you are speaking about a collective female experience, because there is a collective female experience of birth. We're a collective group of women do feel that they share, they do feel like they have a shared experience. And I think that that is okay. But I think when you're coming and saying and denying other people's experiences and other people's language, that is where we kind of, I think we step into some murky area. But it's okay for you to use language that you identify with and that your community identifies with. That is okay. Yes, and no one's trying to erase mothers. (laughs) No, if you read the article, it was very clearly not what they were saying. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, and I think the the really sad thing is is obviously both in the women's community and in the queer community because of the patriarchy, there's so much trauma and there's so much, you know, mental health problems and fear and anxiety and all this kind of stuff that it just blows up far too easily yeah because everybody's feeling really defensive at the moment and I yeah this I spoke about this yesterday actually where I do understand why people are afraid that they are going to get less liberation by supporting other identity groups liberation because there is so little liberation happening at the moment But if we actually stand together, we'll have more power to fight for liberation. Yes. One of my students just said the other day that that something like equality is not a pie. Like there's not only a finite amount to go around. Everyone gets equality. Hopefully. But, yeah, we will need to fight for it. Yeah, we will. And we'll need to stop fighting each other. Yes. It's a waste of time. Um, and, and energy and, yes, everyone's emotions. So let's talk about this awesome workshop, which I'd be booking into if I lived in Melbourne. I, I hope you'll do more of them and maybe online. But tell us the name because it's got an yeah. awesome name. So it, I am running a workshop called Language Fucking Matters, which is for it's a workshop for birth workers to develop better, stronger skills to be using gender diverse language. 
And uh, initially the tagline when I was thinking about launching it last year was called, and you don't need to be an asshole about it. And that is that you don't need to shout at other people or abuse other people or call out other people for the language that they're using. And you also don't need to be an asshole to yourself about any mistakes that you've made, any awkward, clunky questions that you might have that you've been told are bad. This is a safe place to ask those clunky, awkward questions. This is a safe place to explore how to be a better ally that allows you to stay in integrity. This is a workshop that will, um, you know, just create space for conversation and nuance and like how, how can you best be an ally within your scope? I love it. Yeah, so it's currently running in person in Melbourne. I haven't released a second date yet and I wanted to run it in person first before I take it online just so I can get a better grasp on what it is that people don't know because you don't know what you don't know and whether or not it is that people need to know, uh, want to know more about like terminology and like when to use what language and how and like how to gather resources and how to connect with, um, you know, gender diverse people and whether or not that is something you actually need to be doing in your work. And then, you know, making a decision about how you want to go about it in a more meaningful way. Yeah, I love it. So it's kind of like, it sounds like at the end of it, they'll come up with a bit of a unique plan and an idea of how they can personally. Yes. Instead of just sharing, you know, instead of just hitting the reshare button on Instagram, share the stories, repost, it's like, how can, how can people create more, more meaningful impact in their real life? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Instead of just hitting that reshare button because people don't know what else to do. Yeah. Yeah. So they're too scared to do anything else. Well, too in case scared. they get cancelled. <laughs> um, I love it. Okay. So that's language fucking matters. And uh, you can find Rafferty at Rafferty fucking hallows on Instagram. We'll pop the link up in the show notes. Um, anything else people need to know about you? Uh, you are so welcome to drop into my DMs and ask me any clunky questions. I also offer um, one-on-ones where we can just chat on the phone for half an hour and you can ask me any clunky questions, go over website copy, go over, you know, just like create a bit of pro bit of a protocol for yourself and, your, you know, your marketing strategy, how you want to be addressing these issues. Um, so, yeah, I do one-on-ones as well. And there will be a second date coming soon for Language Fucking Matters in person uh, we can currently only have five people <laughs> in a group at a time. So we are limited to that. Uh, but it will be coming online as soon as I have fine-tuned what will be in the program. Fantastic. That's great. So you can ever, everyone can go and check that out on Instagram and find you there. Thank you so much, Rafferty, for sharing your 
your thoughts, your experiences, and um, I'm sure a lot of people will have listened to this and feel a little bit more reassured and, and confident that they can move forward with this yeah, topic. breathe. You're doing it. You're doing great. Keep moving forward with compassion. Keep being open to learning, and you're going to do great. Thank you. Thank you, Julia. Here at Newborn Mothers, we believe that every family has the right to high-quality postpartum care. If you want to join us, learn more at newbornmothers.com. And if you like this podcast, we'd really love you to leave us a five-star review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.